0: I really love epic stories, really big, amazing, incredible stories. I remember uh, when I was a teenager reading The Hobbit for the first time and then managed to make my way through all three of the Lord of the Rings books, which I was very proud of at the time. Uh, It's quite a large book to make your way through. And so I really loved immersing myself in these fantasy stories that were really, really incredible and so full of amazing imagery. Also, love uh, epic movies. So, I think of the Star Wars franchise and uh, absolutely loved the first, the original three movies. And then the prequels that came out that uh, got fairly badly panned, but I really loved them because I felt like they really helped to give a lot of context for what happened in the middle three. And then, of course, there's the new three that have come out, uh, which is going to finish up with episode nine later on this year, which is very sad because it's the end of an era. And I've talked before about how much I love the Avengers movies. And again, just these amazing epic stories uh, that go through all of these different twists and turns with all of these different characters. And in particular, there's something that's really, really great about stories that have multiple episodes to them. So whether that is a book like Lord of the Rings that's in three parts, or whether that's a movie franchise like Star Wars or The Avengers, there's something really, really amazing about recognising that each of those kind of stand alone. You can read each of those books or you can see each of those movies individually individually. But when you read them all or when you watch them all, all of a sudden there's a ton of extra meaning that kicks in around that. And most of those books most of those movies are just really fun, enjoyable movies to be able to watch or good books to be able to read. But sometimes we do find these epic stories that help us to think about the world differently or to think about our sense of meaning, or to think about our sense of purpose. And so one of the movies that I remember having a really massive impact on me was The Matrix, which I was staggered to find out as I was looking at it this week, came out 20 years ago. So uh, that was shocking. And I vividly remember sitting in the movie theatre, and Ali would be able to uh, remember this too probably, at the end of that movie and not being able to speak Because I was just so blown away with what I had just seen because of all of the layers of meaning that was inside of it. And the way of understanding the world differently and thinking about things differently was just really, really staggering. And so these big stories that contain added meaning are sometimes called meta-narratives, which is a really, really big word. And someone pointed out to me this morning, it was on the front of Caring Connection, and they were like, what's this word mean? And I said, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So meta-narratives, meta just means big, narrative just means story. And so a meta-narrative is a big story that contains meaning. And so some of the big stories that we understand are things like the American dream, is a meta narrative it's this big story that if you work hard enough you can achieve anything that you want that's a big story that then gives us meaning marxism is another meta narrative it's a big story that says if all wealth is divided equally amongst people and there's one central organization that's making sure that they distribute that to everyone equally then everyone's going to thrive that's another meta narrative now without getting too technical as we start out our message and as we start out a new series that we're beginning today, we are in an era uh, that's called postmodernism. And we could get even more technical and say there are some people who would say we're in an era that's called post-postmodernism, but that's even more complicated. We won't get into that. The key thing to understand about this era that we're in called postmodernism is that one of the key things is the rejection of meta-narratives the rejection of the idea that there's one big story that gives us meaning. And so you've probably heard it articulated this way. Well, that's really great if that's what you believe, but that's not for me. That's a fairly common thing for people to say these days, especially people who would be 50 and under. That's a very uh, honest way that we respond when someone says, this is my meta-narrative, this is how I understand that the world works. The general response is actually there's not one thing that fits everyone, All of us have our own stories and all of us find our own meaning. The challenge with that is that there's more and more research being done and more and more understanding that's kicking in that says when there isn't a big meta-narrative, when there's not a big story that we find meaning from, we then start to claw after meaning in all sorts of other places, which is really, really unhealthy for us. And so that's a part of why our culture is really fractured and lots of people are struggling, especially around the areas of meaning and purpose. So a key way in which that's playing out right now is in the area of politics. It's reasonable to say that we've probably never had a more toxic political environment than we have in the West at the moment, where there is this huge battling for people to say, I'm right and you're wrong. Again, meta-narrative, I'm right, you're wrong whether we are on one side of politics or whether we're on the other side of politics, we're craving meaning. We're craving someone to tell us this is what life's all about. And so we say, well, hopefully our politics will help to give us that sense of meaning. Hopefully if I can get my person elected who is aligned with my way of looking at the world, then everything will work out okay. And so when that doesn't happen, we feel lost and people get really angry and get really frustrated about, I can't believe that someone would say that. And on the other side of it, people then feel empowered, this is part of what we're seeing happening in the US at the moment, to be able to say really ridiculous things. Because if the person who's in power says it's okay, then that emboldens me to say that's how I see the world too, and so now it must be okay for me to say these things as well. So I hope that that all makes sense to be able to say we all crave these big stories, we all crave this place to be able to find meaning and purpose. But our culture right now says that's not something that exists and so we're all over the place and that's a huge challenge in what's happening around us. And so if you have conversations with your neighbours, probably with people who are part of your families, you would discover that a big thing that's missing is a sense of meaning. What is life all about? What's the point? Why am I here? And there's no story to be able to hold on to to be able to understand that. So that's a very big and complicated interruption, uh, interruption. <laughs> introduction. Some would say an interruption, <laughs> uh, to be able to talk about what we're going to focus on through this term, which is the idea of a meta-narrative that can give us meaning and purpose. For us as people who follow Jesus, we would say there is actually a meta-narrative. There is a big story that gives us meaning and purpose, and that big story is found in the Bible. That's our belief, and so that's our starting point as we jump into what we're going to look at. We believe that throughout the pages of Scripture, there is one story that weaves its way all the way through that then gives us kind of like a compass or a set of values, a set of instructions for us about how we find meaning and how we find purpose in our lives. And so the Bible is actually a book that's made up of 66 individual books, Some of those books are poetry, some of those books are narratives, some of those books are biographies, some of those books are letters, some of them are prophecies. But we believe that weaving through all of those 66 books and all of those different types of literature, there is one big story and that's God's story. And so the reading that we heard today reminds us about God's perspective on that story. And so before we get into what the story is all about, which we're going to be unpacking, I want to just stop and be able to recognize this was actually always God's plan. This story that we're going to be looking at throughout the rest of the term was always God's idea, always God's plan. Ephesians chapter one, verse four says, even before the world began, even before the world began, this was God's plan before the world was even created. So stop and think about that for a minute. Before the universe was created, before the earth was created, before humanity was created, and even more importantly, before humanity had an opportunity to mess things up, God had a plan that was always going to happen and always going to unroll. What was that plan? Well, verse 4 says, God's plan was that we would be chosen to be holy that we would be chosen to be without fault and that we would be chosen to be his children. So just recognise that for a moment. Before God created anything, his plan was that we would be holy, which means set apart for a purpose, but that we would be without fault. We would be blameless. We would be adopted into his family. That's not an afterthought. That's not something that came later. That was always the plan. And this is really important because it's something that I like to talk about as the difference between plan A theology and plan B theology. So plan A theology is what we're talking about, that God's original plan was always before the creation of the world that he would create us so that we could be a part of his family and that we could be complete and whole and blameless. And so before the creation of the world, there was always a plan that Jesus would come to make all of that happen. That's plan A theology. Nothing took God by surprise. The challenge is that sometimes we can fall into the trap of believing plan B theology, which looks more like this. Plan B theology says God had this amazing idea that he wanted to create a perfect world. And so he did. And then he created humans, the perfect humans. But we messed it all up because we ruined God's perfect creation. And so God then spent a number of thousands of years scratching his head, saying, how do I solve this problem from these people who've messed up my amazing creation? And eventually he says, Jesus, you can go down and sort them out, because I'm tired of this, so you go down there and you fix it. And so Jesus comes and he dies and he rises again, which then fixes the problem. But it was an afterthought. God had to do something to make up for the mistake that we made that he didn't see coming. And the problem with plan B theology is that it makes us kind of think of God like an angry grandparent, where you go over to their house and you're messing around a little bit and you accidentally knock over a vase or you accidentally knock over a lamp and it breaks. And then all of a sudden, God says, someone's got to fix this. The grandparent comes in and says, what have you done to my perfect creation? What have you done to the thing that I made that I spent so much time with? I've got to fix this. So he puts the lamp, puts the vase back together, and then effectively wags the finger and says, I've fixed it once. Don't make me come down there again. And I'm sure all of us have had that experience with grandparents at different times, or even maybe with our parents. But there's then this sense of, oh, we've got to make sure that we get everything right because we don't want to mess it up again. That's what comes from plan B theology. It's a very different mindset to say God created everything, It was perfect. We messed it up. Jesus came to fix it. Now we'd better behave ourselves. That's very different to what Paul is saying in Ephesians, where he says before the world was even created, God's plan was that we would be holy. We would be blameless. We would be adopted into his family with all of the rights and privileges that come with that. Paul expands on this further in verses 4 and 5, where he helps us to understand the whole reason why God had this plan to do all of those things was because of his love, was because it was his pleasure and his purpose. That was the whole reason. And when I read that, I kind of think of someone who sits down to write a book, to write a really amazing story, or someone who sets out to make an amazing film, or someone who sits down to paint an amazing piece of art. What I think of in that is that they have this amazing idea. I'm going to create this. And it's their sense of pleasure. I can't wait to see what the finished product is. Gary sometimes comes along on a Sunday morning and says, I've started work on this painting. And so I can't wait to show it to you. That's the same mindset that we have God here before the creation of the world saying, I can't wait for the finished product. I can't wait for you to see it. I can't wait to show it to you. And so how did this plan then play out? Well, in verses 6 and 7, we read that it's because of the gift of his son, because of Jesus, that this plan is able to happen and that he already decided to complete it by means of Jesus. Again, before the creation of the world, that was already the decision that was in place. But then in verse 10, we have this confusing word where it says, it will be fully complete when the right time comes. So we live in this tension where we recognise that everything has been done. It is complete because of the work of Jesus, but it's going to be fully complete when the right time comes. And so we live recognising that everything's been done that's necessary for us to experience all God's got for us, but at some point in the future, it's going to be 100% fully complete the way that we experience things all the time. So all of that is God's story. And that's what we're going to take some time to unpack in the coming weeks. So if all of that sounds like a lot, and you're like, you left me behind about 10 minutes ago, that's okay. We've got weeks to be able to work through this, and so we're going to slow down and take our time with it. But I wanted to start today by saying this stuff is really, really important, because God's story helps us to find meaning. God's story helps us to find purpose, to find identity. And when we start from the point of saying this was God's plan, this story we're going to look at was God's plan since before the creation of the world, it changes a whole bunch of things about our perceptions of what God is like and who God is. And so there's lots and lots of different ways that we could look at what this story is like. Lots of different people have done work on it to explain how the biblical narrative plays out. I've found what we're going to use, the words that we're going to use, the most helpful. And I'm really, really grateful for a guy named Travis Johnson, who's one of my good friends, uh, who spends a lot of time doing work on God's big story. He runs an organisation that's called Access the Story, and he spends time uh, running youth events and camps, training youth leaders, uh, and also he has started to do some of this work training teachers as well. About the idea of helping people to enter into God's big story. And so, some of what we're going to look at is some work that He's done around that. So, I'm grateful that He's given us the opportunity to do it. Throughout this series, I am expecting that there will be a lot of questions. I'm hoping that that's the case. That this isn't all just, yep, I've heard it before, that all makes sense. I'm hoping some of this will challenge you. And so, inside of Caring Connection, you have two things. One, you have your teaching notes, as always, and so I wanna encourage you to take notes as we go through. But every week, we're gonna put this little sheet in there that is a Q&A sheet. And if there are questions that come up as we go through, I wanna encourage you to write them down immediately and then put them in the box at the back of the chapel on your way out, because at the end of the series, we're gonna do a Q&A Sunday around the things that we unpack in the next little while. And so I wanna encourage you uh, to make use of that. Make sure we don't waste the paper, so make sure that you use it and uh, drop the questions at the back there. I'm also really excited because this is what we're going to be talking about in here, but God's Gang is also going to be talking about it with our kids ministry and our youth ministry on Wednesday nights. Uh, We're all going to be talking about the same things as we go through this term, which is going to be really, really great, and we'll be able to take some questions from the kids and the youth as we go through too. So, the way in which we're going to articulate what the story looks like is to divide it into seven episodes. And again, if you think about episodes, go back to thinking about a movie franchise like Star Wars or The Avengers or think about your favourite TV show that has episodes. Each of those episodes work as a standalone story. So, you can read that and there's some stuff that you can learn from it. But when you watch all of the series... All of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of stuff that kicks in. And so we're dividing it into seven different stories that we're going to look at, which then when we pull them all together, gives us God's big story. But we're also going to use some key words that you've got on your page there that help us with each of those episodes And these words are really helpful because there's some resonance with them, I hope, that you'll find. Ways in which those words kind of jump out at us to say, actually, yeah, as I think about God's big story, it's not just this story that's out there, but I understand that that word, what it means for me to be designed, created, or for me to talk about brokenness, those are things that really resonate with me. And so the words become really helpful for us as well. So today we're going to do a very quick I promise, very quick overview of these. And then in the coming weeks, we're going to unpack each of these in more detail. So God's big story starts with episode one, which we're calling Designed. And the tagline that we could use for Designed is to say we are created for a purpose. That God's story begins with us being able to recognise that God, before the creation of the world, had a plan, had a design, kind of like a set of blueprints that he laid out to say... I have a purpose in creation. We're created for a purpose, and that purpose is this, to live in a relationship with God, to live in a relationship with each other, and to take care of the earth that God has created. That's what God's original design was and his original purpose. So we're going to talk more about that next week. Episode two is then called broken. And the tagline here we could say is when we choose selfishness, we experience brokenness. So the original design was that God created us to live in a full, complete relationship with him and each other, but he also gave us a choice. He gave us the ability to say yes to that, but also to say no to that and to say, thanks, but no, thanks God. I'm going to walk away from your original design. He had to do that as we'll unpack in a couple of weeks, because if he didn't, then it's not love. If God forces us to embrace his way of life, that's not love, which is what God wants for us. So, he has to give us a choice. But that choice inevitably means that we have the opportunity to choose selfishness, which is one of the ways that we talk about what sin is. Sin is simply saying, I want what's best for me at the expense of what's best for God or at the expense of what's best for other people. And when we choose selfishness, that creates brokenness, it creates brokenness in our relationship with God and it creates brokenness in our relationships with other people. So we're going to talk about that more in a couple of weeks. Episode three is then expectant. And the tagline here is that we could say, we know there's more to life. So God has this original design. We choose to walk away from God's best. And because of that, brokenness enters into our existence. But God doesn't give up at that point. Instead, God works with a group of people called the Israelites. And that's what the story of the Old Testament is about. But the story of the Israelites is the story of a group of people who continue to wrestle with God's original design as against choosing selfishness. And so over and over again through the Old Testament, we see God saying, this is what it looks like to live the way I created you to live. And over and over again, we see the Israelites saying, thanks, but no thanks, God, and walking away from that. We see God's amazing faithfulness to bring them back, forgive them, say this is what it looks like to live the way I created you to live, and them choosing selfishness and walking away. But as all of that happens, we see this growing expectation that at just the right time, God is going to do something that's going to fix it once and for all. That this person is going to arrive who's called the Messiah or the Rescuer, the Saviour, the one who's going to come and make things right once And for all. And so the journey of the Old Testament is also the journey of us understanding more and more about who Jesus is and what Jesus is coming to do. Episode four is then presence. And the tagline that we could use here is we are not alone. We believe that Jesus comes to show us what God is like. So when we look at Jesus, we see what God is like. When we look at Jesus' priorities, we see what God's priorities are. But Jesus also comes to show us how to live the way that we were supposed to live, the way that we were created to live. Jesus comes to show us what it looks like to live in a full, complete relationship with God and with the people around us, to show us how to live by that original design. And so presence is about recognizing that Jesus understands us. Jesus is with us and Jesus is the one who shows us what God is like, but also the best way of us being able to live our lives. Episode 5 is then satisfied. And the tagline here is we don't have to strive. Jesus doesn't just come to show us what God's like and to show us how to live. Jesus then comes to do everything that's necessary for us to have that full, complete relationship with God. To once and for all deal with the problem of us choosing sin, of us choosing selfishness. And so through Jesus' death and resurrection, all of that is finished. It's satisfied. It's completed. It's done with. And so we now don't have to live trying to earn God's favour, earn God's love, because it's done. We now get to live in the freedom that comes from what Jesus has done for us. Episode six, then, is mission. The tagline here is we all have a role to play. Each one of us has a role to play in God's big story. Each one of us has an opportunity to help other people to discover this amazing big story that God has chosen since the creation of the world to put into place. Each of us have the opportunity to live the way that we were designed to live and in doing so help other people to understand this is what life is always supposed to be all about. And so we live this mission out through our words, through the things that we talk about, but also through our actions, through the way that we live our lives. And then episode seven is restored. The tagline here is that we can see brokenness turned into beauty. And the imagery that we're going to talk about in a little while is sometimes things that are broken, that are then restored, are actually even more beautiful than what the original was. So if you think about a car, an old car that is then restored, there's something even more beautiful about that restored version of that. Or if you think about a house... When someone takes a house that's run down and restores it, there's something really beautiful that kicks in in that restoration. When our students were at State Youth Games, they talked about uh, this thing called Japanese kintsugi, which is where broken pots broken plates that have been smashed are put back together and glued back together with gold. And so the result of that is something that's even more beautiful because now you have this vase that's got all of this gold weaved throughout it And it becomes even more beautiful. So our belief is that at the end of time, God will restore things to what his original design was. That at the end of time, everything will be fully complete. And we will get to live in a full, complete relationship with God and with each other. But it'll be even more beautiful than what the original design was because God takes our brokenness, mends it, puts it all back together through Jesus and enables us to be able to experience it. Even more exciting is that we get to be a part of experiencing that transformation now. It's not something that we have to wait for in the afterlife, it's something that we have the gift of being able to be agents of restoration. That as we go about living our lives, we get to give people an opportunity to have a foretaste of what it looks like to live the way that we were always created to live. So that's the big overview. And as I said, for some of you, if this is the first time you've ever heard that, that's probably a lot. But that's good, because otherwise there wouldn't be much to talk about for the next nine weeks. So, understand we've got plenty of time to be able to unpack each of these in detail. But I think it's helpful for us to see where we're going and to have that background context as we get started. So, our reflection as we head into this week is this. How is God's story shaping me? As we begin this series, how is God's big story shaping me? shaping my sense of meaning, shaping my sense of identity, shaping my sense of purpose. As we make our way through this series, we want to talk about all the different ways that understanding God's story helps us to grow, helps us to change, helps us to understand more about who God created us to be, about who we are, and about what our sense of purpose is. And so even as we begin this series, I want to ask you to just have a look at those seven words again, And to be able to say, is there one of those words that kind of jumps out at you? That you would say, even now, before we've really got into it, there's one of those words that really, that resonates with me. I really resonate with the idea of being designed, God having a purpose for me in terms of why I'm here. It could be a word like broken. I've experienced lots of brokenness in my life. And so that's actually something that really resonates. And I can't believe that that's a part of God's story. Is there a word up there that really encourages you? And if you're using your teaching notes, that encourages you to circle whatever that word might be. What is the word that you're most looking forward to us unpacking in the term ahead? But also I want you to have a look and see, are there some of these words that are a little bit confusing? Are there some of them where I say like, I don't actually understand that? Or there's a bit of resistance to it to say, I can't believe that I'm a person who's been given a mission by God. How could God possibly use someone like me? Or I don't believe that God could do a final restoration of all of this. Things are just too much of a mess. How is that possible? Is there a word up there that maybe you'd struggle with? So I want to encourage you when we get to that week to really lean into it. And again, as questions come up, to make sure that you're writing them down. As we make our way through each of these episodes, one key thing that we want to remember is that all of this is God's story. Because we're people who live in the West, we generally make things about ourselves. But this story that we're going to wade into is not our story primarily, it's God's story that we're going to work through. However, our belief is that when we understand God's story, it helps us to find our place in God's story. And the reason why that's a really important distinctive is because every other meta narrative that's ever existed is all about me. It's all about what I have to do. So go back to what I said at the start. The American dream, if I work hard enough, then I'll get promoted. And if I get promoted, then I will get a raise. And if I have more money, then I can buy a bigger house and I can buy a bigger car and therefore I'll be happier. That's a short version of what the American dream once was. Other belief systems. If I do the right things, then I will be accepted by God. If I follow the laws, if I follow the religious practices, if I do enough, then hopefully God will accept me. But it's all up to me. I have to do this stuff. A belief system like Buddhism is about saying, if I can just let go of desire, if I can just let go of the desire to want things, then I'll reach a place of Zen. I'll reach a place of freedom, but it's all up to me and what I have to do. The Christian meta narrative is the only one where it's not about me, it's about what God has done for us. And that's why it's important to emphasize this is God's story. Before the creation of the world, God made a decision that all of this would unfold, that we would be able to become a full, complete part of His family because of the work of jesus it's not because of what i do it's not because i work hard enough it's not because god loves me enough because i managed to prove myself i find myself in this story because god's done everything necessary and now all i need to do is put my hands out and receive the gift that he has given to us and so my hope and my prayer as we get into this series is that it brings a lot of freedom into our lives That this big meta-narrative, this big story that's got meaning, that is God's story, is not one where we have to strive. It's not one where we have all of these layers of extra stuff we have to do. It's about saying, how amazing is God that before the creation of the world, he could come up with this plan to welcome us into his family and to plan out everything necessary for that to happen without needing us to be involved. How staggering is that? How freeing is that? That's what we're going to dig into as we go through the term. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite Tim to come forward and lead us around the communion table. God, I thank you for your big story. We thank you for the Bible, this amazing gift that has been passed down from generation to generation that gives us an ability to be able to discover your big story. We're so grateful for it. We're so grateful for who you are. That before the world was created, before anything was spoken into existence, your plan was to create us so we could be a part of your family and then to do everything necessary for us to be able to live that way. That's absolutely amazing. And we're so grateful that that all of that is motivated simply by your love, by your sense of purpose and pleasure in creating us for that. And so I pray that as we get into this series, you would continue to encourage us and inspire us, but also to challenge us about what it looks like to understand your story, to understand the way in which that's weaved all the way through the pages of Scripture. But as we do, to be able to find ourselves in your story. And to be able to take our sense of purpose, our sense of identity, our sense of meaning from that greater story. That our lives are not about us trying to achieve enough to hope that someday we can get to a certain point, but our lives are about living in the freedom that you give to us. I pray that that would come through as we make our way through this. And so as we head into this week, My prayer is that you would help us to recognise the ways in which your story, in however much detail or however little detail we know it, has already shaped us. And that then as we unpack that more, that it would shape us in the days and weeks ahead. In your name we pray. Amen.